you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. To this evening, we're going to be looking at the fourth petition in the Lord's Prayer. And I'd like to begin by reading these verses. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we're going to be considering tonight the fourth petition. Let me make a few comments before we begin looking at that verse. Thomas Watson said this, God's glory is more worth than heaven, or we would say worth more in our modern English. God's glory is more worth than heaven, more worth than the salvation of all men's souls. Better kingdoms be demolished, better men and angels be annihilated, than God lose any part of His glory. We are to prefer God's glory before our nearest concerns. But before we prefer God's glory to our private concerns, we must be born again. And so as we come to this petition tonight, the fourth petition, we have already considered in our first three petitions the concerns that we have towards God, towards His name, towards His will, and towards His kingdom. And now we finally get around, as we go through this prayer, to turning our attention to our own needs. And that's what Thomas Watson was talking about. And he was saying, unless we are true Christians... Unless we are really born again, we will never pray this way. A person who's not a Christian will never pray, don't give me my bread if that takes away from your name or if it takes away from your will or if it's somehow a hindrance to your kingdom. A person who's not a, not a true Christian will never pray that way. And so the point that he's making is, is that true Christians, uh, only true Christians can pray First, for God's concerns, and then, in a secondary way, turn their attention to their own needs. As we move from the first three petitions, which regard God's name, His kingdom, and His will, to the second three petitions, which deal with believers and their particular needs, we need to remember that these six petitions are truly comprehensive in nature. These six petitions are designed to deal with all of our physical and spiritual needs. They show our utter dependence upon God for everything, and they give us the structure to deal with every area of our life. Everything we ever need to pray for is found in this very short prayer. All we need to do is fill in the details of this prayer to flesh out these requests in light of our present circumstances and needs. These words are few and simple, but they take on all of our daily concerns and needs. I think I, when I was looking at this tonight, you know, on your word processor, you can highlight, I think it's 69 words, not many words, that encompass everything that we ever need to, be, uh, to bring before our God in prayer. Daily bread, Daily mercy, daily protection are exactly what each and every one of us needs. 
If God gives us the things that we request in this prayer, then we truly will be rich and blessed. If we are wise, if we are spiritual, we will pray for these things every day. Now, I was thinking when we were singing our uh, song just a moment ago, how appropriate it was to sing that in connection with this fourth petition, which talks about our need for our daily bread, our, our need for God to help us every hour. J.C. Ryle said this, The child of God, no doubt, is fully justified before God, and all things are working for his good. But it is the life of true faith to apply daily for fresh supplies of all our wants. Through the promises, though the promises are ours, our Father like, likes his children to remind him of them. All the promises, he says, are ours. But our Father likes us daily to frequently come and remind us of those things, to ask those things from His hand. Now, this fourth request regards what is necessary for our bodily existence on this earth. Give us this day our daily bread, Matthew 6.11 says. Luke's account says, give us each day our daily bread. Let me make a couple of observations about the text itself. This text is very uh, interesting. It, it literally reads something like this. Our bread, the daily, give us today. It's kind of an awkward sentence, and we read it, and it kind of sounds like it's redundant there. Uh, one of the interesting things about this text is the, the Greek word that is translated daily, when we say daily bread, is only found here and in Luke's parallel verse to our verse here in Matthew it's not found anywhere in the Septuagint. As far as we know, it's never been used in secular Greek or in classical Greek. It's a word that appears just here in the Lord's Prayer, and as far as we know, nowhere else. And that's a very unusual circumstance for a word to be like that. And what this word literally means is something like necessary, essential. It could mean something like a daily ration. It can mean something that is for the coming day. So it doesn't necessarily just mean daily. It can mean the coming day. And so some have suggested that when we pray this prayer early in the day, what we have in view is our needs that are coming up uh, for us in the next few hours during the day as it unfolds. And as we pray this prayer later in the day, we are anticipating the need that we'll have uh, for God's care for us the very next day, the very next morning. Now, you can imagine if this word has no uh, other places that we can go and see how it was used, no, no other places that we can compare what its uses is like. You can imagine how uh, commentators and translators uh, have been quite imaginative in proposing translations for this particular word. It's kind of like a free-for-all because we don't have any way to really pin down what this word means. Jerome, for example, translated the word daily by the word super substantial bread. And so he was referring to it, he was considering it as the Eucharist or the supernatural bread. Others have latched onto the idea that it might have reference to tomorrow and have taken it to be the bread of tomorrow, not meaning the food that we'll have tomorrow, but the bread of the future great banquet that is an eschatological food, uh, something that has to do with the end of all things and the blessings that we'll have on the last day. 
I would suggest to you that what it really means is our necessary bread that we need today. Let's talk about that for just a moment. Bread in the ancient world was life. Most of the people that were listening to Jesus as he actually spoke these words in Matthew chapter 6 would have understood exactly what Jesus was saying because they lived day to day, they lived hand to mouth. The vast majority of people were day laborers. They went out and worked during the day. They were paid for their labor at the end of every day. And they took those wages and they used that to either buy their food for the end of the day or their food for the following day. They literally lived on a daily subsistence. They didn't know for sure that they would have food for tomorrow. When they got up in the morning, they didn't know for sure that they would have bread for that very day until they went and, and found out for sure that there was labor that they could do that day. There, it was uncertain what their provisions for even today would be. Now, this situation puts in perspective how the people would have viewed the miracle of Jesus when he multiplied the loaves and the fishes. It's no wonder in John chapter 6 that they wanted to seize him and to make him king. And it's easy to understand the reaction of Jesus as they were seeking for him. Jesus says in John six twenty six, You are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. It was probably something that was not their common everyday experience. It's really hard for us to relate to this petition. When you go home tonight and you get ready to prepare your meal, assuming you haven't eaten already before you came tonight, you will have an abundance of choices. You will, you will go home and you will decide what you want to eat. For the most impoverished in our society, and, and there are certainly a few exceptions to what I'm about to say, but only a few. Even for the most impoverished in our society, they have daily bread. That's the world that we live in, especially here in our country. Not so much uh, in many places around the world. And ladies, let me ask you, have you ever had this happen? The refrigerator has food. The freezer has food. The pantry has food. The cabinets have food. And somebody says, honey or mom, you need to go to the store. And why? What's the next word? We don't have anything to eat. I'm sure you have had that happen. And that's the society, the world, the, the circumstances that we live in. So unlike the time that our Lord spoke these words. It's hard for us to relate to this because of our circumstances. It is a particular challenge for us to come to grips with the reality of this petition. If God does not give you the necessities of life tomorrow, you will not have your needs met. That's the reality. And our, our life is so fragile and tenuous that we don't perceive it, we don't understand it. Let me tell you, there could be a worldwide economic collapse that would cause us just in a very few days to truly be on our, needs, our knees begging 
the God of heaven, to give us our daily bread. You know, we hope that never happens. You know, some predicted that's going to happen. We hear the doomsayers all the time, and maybe they're right and maybe they're not. But that, but that kind of circumstance could happen even uh, to us who are so rich. Now, I would suggest to you that it's proper to regard bread in this petition as representative of food in general, and also bread should be regarded uh, as a term for all of our physical needs of life. And so when we pray this prayer, give us our daily bread, we're asking for God to meet all the physical needs that we have. Now, let me make uh, just very quickly six observations, six, uh, bring to your attention six things about this petition. The first is this. Many commentators make the observation that the term bread stands for the basic necessities of life and not the luxuries of this world. Jesus is teaching his disciples to be temperate in their desires and requests for material necessities. In other words, when we pray this prayer and we say, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, meet our physical needs, we, we should not have in our mind, Lord, Make me super abundantly well-off, rich. Bless me in extravagant ways. That is not uh, the, the, the sense that we have of this petition. Give us this day our daily bread, our daily necessities. Because our physical well-being is necessary to our service for God and to our spiritual well-being. We need to pray for, for those things that support and sustain our physical existence. If we're going to do even spiritual things, we have to be alive. And if we are reduced to literally uh, a constant battle to just feed ourselves every day, then many of the things that we can do uh, for the kingdom of God, many of the things that we're able to do of a spiritual nature uh, will be, uh, will be uh, hindered uh, in this way. Contrary to the modern prosperity gospel, we do not see our Lord telling His disciples to pray for riches, for luxuries, or for mansions. Rather, we are instructed to pray for bread, our basic needs. The Lord's Prayer, which is the clearest, most organized, and systematic method of prayer in the Scriptures, gives not the slightest hint that God wants all of us to be rich. In fact, it's clear that we that we pray for basic necessities for the sake of the name of God and the will of God and the kingdom of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul warns Timothy. In verse 5, he says, Withdraw yourself from teachers imagining that godliness is a means of gains. People are going to come along, they're going to be teachers. And they are going to promote the idea that religion, godliness... Uh, is a mean of, of financial and material gain. He says, separate and withdraw yourselves from teachers that say those kinds of things. In verse 8, he says that we should be content with just having, quote, food and clothing. That that's what should make us content. Verse 9, he says that, the, that those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and into a snare. And in verse 10, he says, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. Those who teach that prayer is a hotline to riches and great 
possessions are simply out of touch with the teaching of Jesus concerning prayer and concerning material things. We should take heed to the words of Agur back in Proverbs chapter 30. He says this in verses 8 and 9, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. And I would suggest that that's the kind of language we have when our Lord says that we should pray for our daily bread, our necessary bread. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of our God. Now, how many times do we pray and say, God, Give me my physical needs, my material needs, but don't overdo it. Don't give me too much. Don't give me enough that I might be proud, enough that I might be independent in my thinking, uh, that I might misunderstand my relationship to you and how I need you for everything at all times. We don't often think about that when we're praying for our physical needs, our material needs. Needs And yet that's what here in Proverbs chapter 30 is exactly what we're told to do is that we want to not be impoverished so that we will bring uh, ill reproach to the name of our God. But we don't want to be um, rich and face all the temptations and hardships that that too brings into our spiritual life. Second observation is this. The Lord's Prayer in both Matthew and Luke emphasizes that we pray for what we need daily or day by day. We are to ask for what is needed on, for each particular day. I would suggest that this is consistent with our Lord's teaching on worry in the same sermon here in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34. Our Lord says, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't be worried about tomorrow. Each day has its own trouble for us to be concerned with. We are to live by faith in God today. And that's what our focus is when we pray this prayer. Give us today our daily bread. We are to be focused on God at this present moment. We must trust His divine providence and goodness for our needs every single day. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't consider the future or we don't make plans and preparations for the years ahead of us in our life. But we are to fervently serve God and commune with Him in the present. What will our future plans amount to? If God does not bless us and care for us in each intervening day, as each day comes and goes. We need God's present help and we need to be conscious of that. We must trust God in our material needs each day along the way. Now we have some lessons that we can draw from. Consider, for example, Israel in the wilderness. God gave the Israelites their allotment of manna in the wilderness each and every particular day instead of in large amounts. The manna could not even be stored for future use except for on the weekly Sabbath. So on Friday, they were able to collect enough food. And on the other days, if they collected extra food, it spoiled during the night. But on Friday night, 
uh, it would uh, remain uh, able to be used on the weekly Sabbath day. Now, those historical events are written for our instruction. 1 Corinthians 10 11 tells us that. And this process was obviously designed to teach them and to teach us to daily trust in God. And just as they literally had to have manna for heaven every day or they starved, we have the sense, the perception that it's not that way for us, but I would suggest to you that it is that way for us. And when we see that example that was given to us in the Scriptures, it should teach us that lesson. The means of grace and sanctification are not something that happened in one moment. Believers are not zapped or given a second work of grace or entire sanctification all at once. What we learn here is that, the, is that we need to practice godliness and dependence of God, upon God day after day after day for all the days of our lives. God wants us to learn continually to depend on Him and to make progress in our faith a little each and every day. And so we're to have this constant sense that my life right now is dependent on the providence and the goodness of my God. Another important thing to note regarding this day in our prayer is that it teaches us to live every day as if it were our last day. How would we act if we believed that this was our last day on earth? If, would we be careless about our walk with Christ? Would we spend it uh, in the same way as we sp- would spend it if we had this consciousness, this awareness? We really have no way of knowing whether we will live uh, one more day or one more week or many, many more years. Having a true sense of our daily dependence on God for all things will help us to be sober and serious about our walk with Christ now. And that is exactly what we are commanded in the Scriptures to do. To be sober-minded, to be serious, to walk carefully through this world. There are multitudes of people who always promise themselves that they will repent and serve Christ tomorrow, that they will repent and serve Christ later, but tomorrow never comes. Do you remember the saying I've heard all my life? That the road to hell is paved with what? With good intentions. We need to believe in Christ now. We need to bow to Him now. And one evidence that we're doing that and that we're not doing the opposite is this. We can ask ourselves the question, do we really look at our world and say, God, give me the necessary things that I need for today? I would suggest to you that that is a Christian perspective. Third, this prayer is an acknowledgement that God and God alone gives us the necessities of life. In our economic life, we are to look to God and not to men or the government as our providers. Depending on anything other than God is a form of idolatry. I would suggest that it is little different for us to depend on anything, including ourselves and our own ingenuity. I would suggest that it is little different than the apostate Israelites praying to Baal for rain and for their crops to grow. That we are doing the same thing if we depend on anything other than God to meet our needs. 
Only God can truly bless His people. God alone is the giver of every good and perfect gift. James 1.17 And let me add that when we do something as simple as bless our food and thank God for our food when we have our meals, even if we do it sometimes sort of in a, in a way of routine or maybe habit, but I would suggest to you that it is so right for us to do that because that is the other side of the coin of this petition. If we have a coin and we look on one side and it says, give us this day our daily bread, and we flip it over, what is the corollary to that is if we truly, when we have our daily bread, stop and thank God for it. Fourth, this petition for our daily Uh, for our daily physical needs, tells us something very important about prayer as it relates to valid secondary causes. And let me explain what I mean. When we pray for bread, we do not sit around and wait for bread to miraculously appear on our doorstep. If we do, we will starve. Instead, we pray for God to meet all of our needs, and then we go out and we work diligently to provide for our families. There are certain areas of life, such as the spread of the kingdom, personal sanctification, the development of our economic resources, for which we are totally dependent on God. Yet God expects us to work hard and to use every lawful means available to succeed in these areas of our life. Christian faith looks to God and gives Him the full credit for success in these things. Yet in these spheres of life, faith also produces good works and diligent labor. When it comes to these basic physical necessities, prayer without appropriate work is ineffectual. When we pray this prayer, we recognize two basic realities. That without God, We can achieve nothing. And that without our effort and obedience to God's word in these areas, God will do nothing for us. Consequently, we must must constantly pray for God to bend our hearts to him and to cause us to obey what he's commanded. He blesses us as we obey. But if we have real faith, what do we do? We do have a heart to obey. Fifth, this petition is wider than our own selves. For we ask God in petition to give bread to us and not just to me only. As we pray for our own needs, we are also to focus on the needs of others, especially other Christians. There are many believers in this world who live in situations where where food and shelter and clothing and the basic necessities of life are difficult to come by and because either they're in places of extreme poverty or they're in oppressive circumstances. There are many parts of this world where Christians are severely oppressed. And in those cases, they have severe needs. We should pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We should include them in our prayers for our daily bread. The corporate nature of this petition teaches us not to be self-centered and selfish as we pray. It reminds us that we are part of a wide body of believers, all connected by the blood of Christ and by the Spirit of God. We pray 
And we work diligently so that we will be in a position not only to take care of our own needs and the needs of our families, but also to be able to help others that have need. And then lastly, this prayer for our physical bodily needs is a reminder that God's creation, which is physical as well as spiritual, is good. And ultimately that we will be redeemed by Jesus Christ in both body and soul. Our physical world is being saved as well as our spiritual world. The salvation of our Lord that our Lord wrought is comprehensive and it includes the salvation of our physical bodies. On the last day, our dead bodies will be resurrected and transformed and glorified. The Savior that rose from the dead Our Savior rose from the dead in the very same physical body in which He died. He was restored to life, and we will be, just in the same way, be brought into a glorious physical reality on the last day. Because our bodies matter, and God tells us to pray for our physical needs, we should respect our bodies and the physical needs that we have for them. This petition tells us that these things matter. Our physical needs matter. It's not wrong for us. It shouldn't be our main focus, but it's not wrong for us to pray for these things. This petition tells us that these things matter and that our whole person is connected to the glory of the name of God, the will of God, and the kingdom of God, both now and forever. Give us this day our daily bread.